0: Welcome back to the still all new, still all different Second Print Comics Podcast. It is I, the marvelous Mark Clare, here as
1: always with the ramblin' Rican himself, Remzo Martinez. Remzo, what's happening? It's another day, another dollar here at the Second Print Comics nation. People liked the newsroom last week. I want to go ahead and and give a shout out to everyone that started tuning in to our Friday segment SPC Newsroom where we go ahead and bring you news, highlights and more across the world of fandom and the comic book community so thank you for those of you that turned into our inaugural episode that was an awesome thing. We're going to keep doing that until we find a reason to, uh, you know, just end our lives. I mean, end the show and uh, yeah, so so, yeah. Same thing, right? Our
0: lives, this show, is is, is there really a difference at this point?
1: If if, if something, if one goes down, the other has to go down as a result. It's a blood pack, much like the Jonestown cult. I'll leave it there.
0: Indeed. There, well, there are many ways you can help uh, prevent this ship from going down. You can, of course, do the basics. Just follow us anywhere and everywhere except in our personal lives. But please do follow Second Print Pod on Instagram at Second Print Pod at Twitter at Second Print Pod. And, of course, if you like, you can support us on Patreon, where you get early access to all of these episodes, to all of our newsroom episodes. You will also get all sorts of bonus content, including shows like What Mark Missed, Remzo versus the MCU, A Case of the Runs, a show that I am, uh, just debuted the other week, where I looked at a gigantic run at Scott Snyder's Justice League from a couple of years ago. There is just so much content behind that paywall. I don't know, what's the phrase? What are the kids saying? You used to say that more than you can shake a stick at, but that, that feels a little outdated now. What are you guys shaking?
1: You spend literally more money on OnlyFans. You people should be giving some money to us. You all know. Not it's true. not not to show you anything under the hood, so to speak, but to, you know, enlighten your lives. Bring a little levity to your day. We're not like the fight we're not like fight club. I mean, we're not we're not convincing you to go out and like fight strangers or anything. We're not even like, you know, y- like we're not Scientology. Like I like to think that we're adding value to your lives. So why not give a little bit of value back? I don't think that's a hard thing to ask. And if you give us a shot, we might just do for you what
0: Scientology did for John Travolta. Stay tuned for that one. No guarantees. No money-back guarantees there. Uh, Nonetheless, we are very excited because not only have we launched the second show, The Newsroom, last week we had a blast looking at some recent Marvel casting rumors. Again, that's every single Friday. And if you are one of our friends listening on the North-South Connection feed, of course, this show airs there on Sundays. Uh, The Newsroom will not be in the North-South Connection feed. That feed is just too jam-packed. And uh, Justin and I both agree that it would just be too much to shoehorn that into the the feed. So, if you nor- normally listen to us on the North South Connection, I encourage you to actually go and subscribe to the Second Print Comics feed because that's the only place you'll be getting the newsroom, or of course on Patreon where you'll get all of this stuff early and often. And uh, on that note, I'm very excited. Our very second newsroom episode is actually going to be an interview with the creator of the recently launched to incredible success. Uh, Eric July. I am so stoked to be talking to Eric July. That's actually going to be live on our YouTube channel. So you might want to go check out that YouTube channel. There's really nothing on there, but there will be something on there. Um, today, if you're listening to this, the day it drops, you might even get it, uh, by the time we'll be recording with, uh, with Eric on Wednesday afternoon, the same day that this airs. So stoked about that. That will also be our newsroom episode on Friday, uh, checking in with Eric. So just so much going on in the world, and I'm particularly excited. uh, As we record this, Eric has his campaign uh, selling his first issues of this comic, ISOM almost $700,000 as we record this. And this is behind the scenes. It's Monday as we record this It's the day he launched. I mean, it is, it is blowing away. Uh, his goal was a hundred thousand in 75 days. He's done almost 700,000. Uh, so I'm really, I'm really excited uh, for Eric and to have him on to talk about that.
1: This is going to be freaking awesome. I'm so excited.
0: Indeed. Indeed. Uh, Remzo, anything else uh, to touch on before we get into today's little tale?
1: No, I think we already guilted, gaslit, and begged, so yeah, let's we go ahead everything. and jump into the stuff that people want.
0: Yes, the Trinity, the podcasting Trinity. Uh, so today we're going to be looking at a little series known simply as X. Now, this is not uh, related to the X-Men or any sort of franchise like that. This is an indie comic. Well, yeah, I guess I guess Dark Horse is indie. Would you call Dark Horse indie? Yeah, I, I guess. I would, not- I would still consider them that. They're not the They're- big
1: two, so anything that's not the big two could still be indie.
0: Yeah. To me, I guess it's hard to say is even, would we even consider image indie? I mean, they're absolutely massive, but I still like in my mind anyway, I don't know how we define these things in my mind. When I see some image book that I've never heard of come out, I, I call that an indie comic. So I think I would agree with your definition and for the purposes of the comic industry, if you're not big too, you're kind of our indie in a way.
1: I, I would classify it by two things. One is more of like the legal side. Are you publicly traded? Like, you know, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery owns DC and all that stuff. Disney owns Marvel, so they're publicly traded. But secondly, do the authors get to have any ownership over their characters, over their intellectual property? If if those two things, if the answer to if the answer to one is no, and if the answer to the second is yes, then you're an indie creator.
0: All right, well, I think in that case, uh, yeah, Dark Horse Comics will, will certainly qualify there. And this is a book that came out in February of 1994 uh, the character actually debuted a little bit before that in Dark Horse Comics number 8. Now Dark Horse used to do um, I, I used to get, grab some of these at conventions and whatnot. Uh, they used to do these like Dark Horse Presents which would have just a bunch of short little stories. Some of those short stories were turned into full time series and uh, X was one of those series. Now we're not going to look at the debut which is just that short story in Dark Horse Comics. Today we're going to look at the first few, two issues of the series proper um, which have some uh, notable comic book names involved uh, The writer Stephen Grant I can't off the top of my head tell you what he's done But stuff, a, a decent amount of stuff i are you familiar with Stephen Grant? Not to be confused with uh, Moon Knight's
1: uh, pseudonym uh, I, was, I was about to say like, No, other, unless he's the guy from Moon Knight No, I don't know <laughs> or,
0: or maybe I'm getting them confused And that's why I think that <laughs> And that's why I think that
1: But Are we at the point where just everything we've ever talked about is merging?
0: I think so. Yeah. Do you think Steve, Stephen Grant is both, uh, both Moon Knight's secret ide- one of his, his identities as well as an American comic book writer?
1: Well, well I mean, who were the writers that said that they saw John Constantine appear at a bar in real life? Every
0: writer that's ever written him, uh, notably Alan Moore and others after him. Grant Morrison, I believe, as well have said they've they've actually encountered John Constantine in real life saying and doing John Constantine-esque
1: things. It's very We should do a whole episode about that. I agree.
0: <laughs> Nonetheless, he has worked on some books, in, including uh, the Punisher and uh, whatnot. Uh, but this is a foray into this character, this original character from dark horse comics. And uh, talking about notable names, we have Stephen Grant on script who, yeah, I guess he's not that notable. Maybe he's more. Not- I thought he was that notable because I, I confused him with <laughs> Moon Knight, but who is notable is the penciler, Doug monkey for sure. Uh, I've done a ton of Batman, and other DC. I'm sure he's done some Marvel stuff that I can't think of off the top of my head. And, on Inks, we got Jimmy Palmiotti. So they got they pulled in some some decent hey, names. Hey, Harley Quinn's dad. They pulled in some decent names with uh with comic book experience. For this series, the reason we're looking at issues one and two, Remzo, those are the issues that I own in my comic book collection, which still do reside in the vault in Connecticut. I'm actually hoping to liberate those fairly soon. Uh, So we will be reading the digital version today from uh, the X omnibus, which is available on Hoopla, which I think collects the first 11 issues, plus the first appearance, plus a couple other issues. But the two stories, well, two issues we're going to look at today uh, comprise what is uh, X number one and number two. That being said, shall we begin? And before we begin, Rem, I got to know, have you ever read any of this character before? Had you even heard of this character before I, I punched us into the old schedule?
1: No, this okay. was Excellent. one of those. Well, I take it back in passing, like other people brought it up. Maybe, maybe I read an issue where this was referenced, but this was almost as, as if it was an entirely new opportunity for me to discover the story in this character.
0: Very good. Well, that's why we're here. And I specifically remember seeing X number one and buying that issue at a comic book convention. It was at the New York comic convention, which was held in the Jacob Javits Center back in the nineties. And my dad used to take me there every year. And I just remember, cause I don't think I got this in my normal comic shop. I only owned issue number one and number two, but I just remember it striking at me and looking different. I think that was something I was always sort of seeking from some of these indie comics where I would see a cover like whether it was the Ninja cover, XO Manowar, some of that Valiant stuff, um, something that just looked different. I was always kind of seeking. And as I've said many times before, always attracted to a number one so I could jump in and kind of learn a character from the beginning, from the get go, uh, as I did in my youth with X. But this is one of those series where I remember picking it up in my teens. I know I own these two issues. Don't really remember that much about it. So that's why I have fun going back and, and re-looking at some of these while getting to introduce you to some of this weird stuff at the same time. That being said, Remzo, you ready to get into X? Let's do it! All right, so we start off with X number one, and um, I will just tell you this all takes place in the fictional city of Arcadia, which I do believe they build out this Arcadia universe across a couple books in Dark Horse eventually, but it doesn't really take off, and I think of the titles that are connected to that, X is really the only one uh, you anyone may have really heard of. Um, but we start and we see these, uh, oh, we kind of see this guy getting prepared. We see the map of Arcadia. We see a couple pictures of guys. One of them actually looks like Joseph Stalin, but uh, with, with the X's uh, marked across their face. And uh, this guy basically looks like he's a, a BDSM uh, type character. You know, he's got the this uh, mask with the, the collar. He's got like a lock on the collar. And we just kind of see this guy getting dressed, getting ready to go onto the town where he says... And in his little voiceover, he says, "You know, as long as he has listened, the city has moaned its pain, and the time has come to end it." And this story is called "Fire and Ice, Part One: Abandoned Hearts." As I I do kind of like the uh, the style of taking the story. Uh, title and using it as almost like part of the background here. It's kind of like someone had spray painted it onto this wall that X is. Uh, I don't know where he is. He's he's on, he's on like he's on a rooftop, but it looks like he's climbing out of a pool or something. Do, do you have any idea what, what he could be doing up here on um, this roof? I'm, all, I'm a little confused. That's yeah, a little interesting. Not, nonetheless, don't, let's not get too distracted by that. Uh, but our story just after briefly meeting X, we go up to this meeting on the top of this uh, tower that I, I guess it's kind of like half being constructed. This is of course where all evil uh, construction sort of uh, tycoons, I guess, end up meeting and doing their deals. But uh, the the, sh- the long and the short of it is there are these guys, the Llewellyn brothers, and they are in the process. They, they have found that both of their faces have been X and we we learn a few things. Well, they, they had one slash through them, and we learn a few things that when you are marked by X, like he's gonna kill you. So the first X is like the warning, and the second X is the one where you're gonna die. X gonna kill you. <laughs> Um, so and they are these guys are already concerned about X and I really do like that even on this first page just without having to get a long drawn out exposition um, without having to get a narrator kind of leading us to what's going on just through the conversation of these characters these Llewellyn brothers with this uh, assassin that they are trying to hire this guy named Gamble they're trying to take him on to uh, take out this X who has been protecting his area of Arcadia known as the waterfront and he is basically not happy with how they are trying to it's one of those classic uh, classic stories that they, they did this in the daredevil series. It always kind of annoys me a little bit, to be honest, as, as the backdrop, but I usually let it go, uh, where the evil can, the evil, you know, apartment owners or whatever, want to drive their tenants out to refurbish their buildings. I'm like, motherfuckers, if you, if you don't want that to happen, buy, all right, buy your buy a house, mm-hmm. buy By your renting, shit. you know that you are in this potential situation, but you're not, la- nonetheless.
1: What, what did, what did Eddie Murphy say on SNL? I'm gonna kill my landlord. K I E L L my landlord.
0: Whoever thought you, you would give a reference that it was older than me? It's 1970s SNL. That's wild. I'm glad to see you've been oh. at least catching up on some of the good stuff. I know
1: missed. my I know my yeah. Eddie Murphy quite well, indeed. But we,
0: uh So we meet this guy Gamble, and uh, yeah, they're hiring him to take out X because they want to develop in this. This area of Arcadia, uh, the waterfront front, and you know, this one, this one of the Welland brothers is kind of getting uppity with Gamble, and uh, Gamble is just not the kind of guy that you get uppity with. And he has this uh, this catchphrase; he's always referencing gambling and taking risks, and he kind of like grabs this guy by the tie and leans himself off the top of this. Uh, what are these things called? I don't work in construction. Remzo never have. What are these beams? I guess the beam is what they're called. Beams. Right?
1: We, yeah. Let's uh, call beam, them right. that. Let's yeah, pretend that we've
0: worked with our hands
1: Yeah, I, and we know what that thing is.
0: The thing. Let's pretend we're blue collar. Uh, nonetheless, I uh, gamble is kind of a fucking nut. Uh, and he, he really does live the gamble name. And uh, he, he does say, like, you know, well, how do you know this X is going to kill us? X could kill you. He's like, well, life's a gamble. Death's pretty much a sure thing. And as he's doing this, he's, he's he's like holding on this other guy's tie and basically leaning off this beam and just totally freaking these guys out. And they're like, man, you took a real big risk up there. Like, what are you? This guy's crazy. He's like, yep, that's why they call me Gamble. Uh, so my first question, Remzo, before we get go any further here, what do you think about this guy Gamble as a sort of a... a Well, I guess we'll see the role he plays uh, as a sort of a a counter to X. Seems like kind of an asshole. Seems like kind of an asshole, but uh, I I enjoy his his spunk. I enjoy his attitude. Um, And and what do you think about just the how we learn more about X? Not so much from X. Like, he doesn't really tell us his story. We just know he's kind of avenging the city for whatever reason and wears uh, BDSM gear. What do you think about learning about him more just through these conversations
1: of these other characters? This kind of reminds me of V for Vendetta. By Alan Moore. Th- that's kind of how the first uh, couple pages open with uh, this. The city's just reacting to him. Yeah, it's like you learn about him through other people. So then, by the time he's introduced, it's kind of like a Phantom of the Opera situation. You know, you don't need to know him through exposition. You know him through through the environment and everything, and by other people. You're setting it up. You're building suspense. I like it.
0: Yeah, pretty much what we know about X is through the reactions of others, through others being uh, afraid of him, through others being uh, worried about him. And uh, just as Gamble kind of just takes off, he's like, I think he charges like 25 grand. He makes the deal. He's like, cool. See you guys later. Uh, it's almost like X was just waiting because as they as their assistant here, Jonas, he looks down at the same photos. Now, I don't know how he did this. This is really impressive because these same photos just had one X mark on them mere moments ago. But now both photos have the full red X, which means they have been marked for death. And sure enough, here comes X. X dives down uh, from the other beams, I guess I was going to say from the rafters. But I guess the other things. let's call them beams. Let's call them other beams. The things. Up. OK, beams. We are not construction workers. Um, yeah, X just kicks the crap out of these guys, uh, while gamble is leaving. And as gamble is leaving and going onto the street, uh, there are these guys waiting for him. These guys who are associates of Carmine Tango, who we learn. He's basically like the, uh, the big bad, like the big crime Lord that sort of controls, uh, everything behind the scenes in our, in Arcadia. And, uh, you know, these guys are, are kind of confronting him and then saying that like Carmine Tango wants to see him just as they're talking. One of the Llewellyn bodies just, Falls right through the car next to him, so he's like, "Okay, um, so you know, he's like, I guess I guess I'm gonna get in the car with these guys because one of the guys that's gonna pay me just just got killed." Um, and then we go back and uh, we see that X has actually marked the assistant. Uh, This Jonas guy with one warning, and this is when we learn a little bit more about how this works. Uh, As X talks to the guy, this guy, he says, "Tell them it's over. The crime, the corruption, all of them living high and rich on corpses and ruined lives. One warning, one mark. The second mark is the mark of death." As he leaves, this poor Jonas uh, frightened and uh, with his face marked with the one slash red, he then tells them, "Tell them it's my city now. Tell them it's my time. Tell them." Uh, Very Batman esque here, wouldn't you say?
1: This is a lot like. um what when did what year did this come out? 94. 94. Yeah, this is this is peak violent black you know, black-figured vigilante, more anti-hero than everything else. Coming to mind is, um, you know, the uh, the ultimate version of Night Owl from the Ultimate Power series from the mid-2000s from Marvel. Uh, I'm thinking Spawn. I'm thinking, you know, Frank Miller's Daredevil. I- I'm-, I'm thinking all those types of guys. So this is, th- this is very much a, a trope, but... If you're gonna, if you're gonna do that, at least do what Rob Liefeld says. And if you're gonna copy, make it awesome. And uh, I I, I like it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's basically the Quentin Tarantino
1: said that not Rob Liefeld. Quentin Tarantino said that he's like, if I'm gonna copy something, I'm gonna make it awesome. People get them confused all the time. Uh, But yeah, Quentin Tarantino is the Rob Liefeld of movies. I could say that.
0: X, X is what this sort of type of trope would be if Marvel and DC had been able to be more violent or willing to be more violent in, in their mainstream comics. Cause X is very violent. He does not have this ethical code that like a Batman uh, would have that prevents him from killing or anything like that. In fact, that's uh, that's perfectly more than fine with him. Uh, he has his, as he, he just immediately summarily executes the the Llewellyn brothers, one of which died through, looks like one died with like, like a sword or something to the head. We don't really see him die. The other one obviously died uh, from getting thrown off the roof uh, through Dope. the car. So then X comes downstairs uh, where the other Llewellyn brother was thrown through the car and this kid, these kids are kind of like pickpocketing the body and X just grabs one of them and, and they're like, oh shit, no, I didn't kill this guy. He, I swear, I swear. And X is like, yeah, I know I killed him. <laughs> He's like the man who walked out of here. Which way did he go? He's like, oh, well, these, these men grabbed him in a big car. I, I don't know. I don't know. And 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 that's when X says Tango. So clearly X knows who tango is and uh, knows his mo and you know we know that there is either a history there or it's it's just like you know okay this is the guy we we know who's really behind things back here uh and then we go and see gamble is meeting with tango and i found this pretty entertaining really their their conversation carmine tango is uh you know very much a stereotypical mob boss type but he jewish he, we, guy uh is he jewish are you just saying that
1: i just assumed
0: wouldn't you assume Italian?
1: I should. I should be better. Ser- Karma, I'm sorry. His name is Carmine. That was Ranto. instinctual. I didn't say it <laughs> intentionally of malice. No. Right.
0: On on next week's episode, we'll dissect uh, Ramzo's anti-Semitism a little bit further. But
1: moving along, uh, we, we see this conversation. Mark, you're between, supposed to be my token Jewish friend. <laughs> between, Help you're, me. You're, well, you're don't, my token. Don't, Rican, don't, so. don't, don't, don't drown me here. I mean,
0: there's not, there's only so much I can do. At some point, just take a deep breath; you'll be okay.
1: <laughs> um, but uh, I have nothing no. to do with this man. <laughs> I disavow. <laughs> star- <bow>. I disavow. <laughs>
0: Carmen Tango reads the stars. He he basically lives in the like a planetarium. Essentially, is where he hangs out, and he really believes in like star maps and, and this sort of thing, and reading the stars and all this. And uh, they kind of have a kind of an interesting conversation. He's like, "Oh, did the to the Wellens hire you to hire you to kill me?" He's like, well, and, and I like Gamble's style. He's not really direct. He's like, well, uh, he's like, if I'm your target, you won't leave the room alive. He's like, well, maybe. And Gamble's like, maybe, but neither would you. Like Gamble is really fucking cocky, which I really like about him. He's not intimidated by this whole this whole dog and pony show where he's brought in uh, to see to see Carmine. Uh, but he's like, no, I'm actually after this costume guy looks like a Mexican wrestler. He's like, oh, the X killer.
1: Why does the wrestler have to be Mexican?
0: Why? why that's not say i know you're trying to parlay your anti-semitism onto karma onto a uh, gamble here but it's just not going to work because it actually is completely irrational to to, co- to call a masked person a mexican wrestler because that is a a trope of mexican wrestling Boom.
1: Let's let's move on before the Apple podcasts start turning one not star. Getting,
0: not getting out of this one, right? <laughs> um, and Tango basically says, like, yeah, I got to get my cut, though. He's like, what do you mean I get to get my cut? He's like, all assassinations in this town run through me. Um, but, you know, they basically tell him, he's like, say, all right, whatever you say, Carmine, the stars business, is it true what I heard? You whack one of your own lieutenants because the stars told you? And Carmine tells him, you take your chances, Gamble. And he says, every chance I get. So there's kind of a... a um, Gamble's kind of, he's come into town uh, and doesn't really know the lay of land. He's come in to get this ex-killer guy, uh, but, you know, he's also interacting with this overlord, Carmine Tango. Now, both these guys will be continuous uh, thorns in ex's uh, side, you might say. Um, and uh, then we see that we see a little meeting between uh, who is is—is uh, the mayor and uh, the police commissioner, I believe. At first, I thought this was Gamble because he was wearing a very similar outfit, uh, in fact, almost the, ex- in fact, I think this is gamble. Yeah, it is gamble. Okay. I, I get confused both times here. Uh, cause I think the commissioner ends up looking very similar, similar to gamble. But yeah, I think this is gamble here because the, the, the mayor walks in and he's like, what the hell is this guy doing here? Are you saying that all bureaucrats look alike? That's what I'm saying. Yes. No, I'm saying all tan suit guys with green, with green shirts. And, uh, look, you're not going to push this on anyone else. You have to embrace your Damn own, it. your own embracement of, of stereotypes here. Uh, the mayor's like, you know, get the hell out of here. And it basically Gamble Gamble is there to get some info about the the ex killer, and is basically telling him, "Look, I'm in town." And it's very much implied because he's you know they're talking about who the who's got the who's who's uh, you know who the mayor has in his pocket, who's gunning for the mayor, and this sort of thing. And it's basically implied that you know, that um, that the mayor is also uh, quite corrupt in this town, as these things often go. Um, yeah, and uh, at the end of this thing, when Gamble leaves the mayor, we see him calling to order a special team. So maybe we'll find more about that in, a, in another issue. Uh, moving along, Gamble goes and finds that his car has been xed. And he doesn't just have one X. He skipped right to the two. He, he didn't even get the warning here. Uh, so Gamble gets the big, big red X on his windshield and he just says, damn. But he, he doesn't look all that concerned, which I, I like about this Gamble. You know, he never really gets afraid of X, you know, because right from the beginning, you know, obviously X is very as uh, is is an intimidating looking figure. The Llewellyn brothers are scared shitless of him. Jonas is scared shitless of him. But but as we'll see, and as we saw in the meeting with uh, Carmine Tango, uh, Gamble is not so easily phased uh gamble later then sees the same kid that that uh, x was talking to so gamble goes and grabs a kid outside of this warehouse and basically tells this kid you better take me to x uh i know you know where he is they end up on the roof of this building uh where indeed x was right there i guess x had uh, had planned for this whole thing uh was planning to confront this tango or was planning to have tango or not tango gamble come after him i should say uh, and after a little bit of a confrontation, gamble does get bested but i will say he never gets afraid. They even show him on the ground once, and he's he's smiling while he goes and grabs for his gun. I mean, I, I really like that. Clearly, like X is a better fighter than Gamble, and is maybe in hand-to-hand combat more dangerous. But Gamble is is a pretty good foe in the sense that he is he's never wavered by by X, never intimidated by him, and he is just you know kind of proceeding along uh, with his mission. Uh, eventually, right as Gamble is about to be taken out by X, he reveals that he has planted a bomb. He grabs a little uh, one of those igniter things and. Really, just blows up this building um and at this point we see that x first of all the you know gamble grabs actually grabs x's cape and is fucking with x he's like all right i mean he could just drop him right here but he's like all right cut off of the mass i want to see you i want to know who you are before i kill you and then he gets distracted um by the little kid who's basically his legs are on fire and he's like oh shit what did i tell you about luck kid and and as he's making this quip x grabs the cape Pulls himself up, flips him back around Gamble and knocks Gamble's ass to the ground. Now Gamble is hanging from the edge of the building. He is about to die. His life is in X's hands. And then we hear this kid calling, crying, falling. He's falling through the roof. He's about to fall and die in the fire. And X, this is where we learn that while X is brutal, while X is a murderer, X does have a heart and he does actually choose saving this boy over, uh, continuing his, his death mark and seeing that through with gamble. Um, and basically, uh, yeah, that, that's basically does it for this issue. X saves the boy from the building, uh, gamble. We presume takes, uh, takes off and gets away to fight another day. And, um, you know, this kid is like, where the, where the hell do you, Oh my God, you're you're the X killer. No one's supposed to escape the X killer. So it's already interesting that in the first issue, you know, we learn how brutal X is, but we also see, you know, no one's supposed to escape him, but he actually meets his, not, I wouldn't say meets his match, but we also meet the, the first guy that has ever escaped him in this year or so that he's been, uh, patrolling the city or, or whatever it may be. And I really enjoy the, this last scene of this issue, um, where X is like, go home kid. And this kid's like, that was my home. And then, you know, and then,
1: <laughs> X just
0: goes, well, X basically turns turned around and goes, well, you're alive. Make two <laughs> and just walks off. So it's like he is heroic. He has a heroic element of him, but he's not like Batman would make this kid a fucking Robin. You know, like Batman would have taken this kid in. Oh, you sure to
1: go. You're yeah. mine now.
0: <laughs> exactly. So what did you think of uh, the introduction to this character and uh, just kind of how they put how they laid out the character of X for the reader?
1: I really do like what I call non-introduction introductions, where you can go ahead and introduce everything you need to know about where you're at, who the players are, what is going on, without having to do a paint-by-the-numbers origin story. It's when the hero just jumps in. This is Michael Keaton Batman 89, where you don't need to start, you know from the alleyway through the gunshot and everything else, you just know he's Batman. And it's just there. And then as the story progresses, more pieces will be exposed about the hero's origin and what has led up to the events that we're at now in order to really show you where things are going. It's that building of suspense that a lot of people, um, a lot of writers try and kind of force in sometimes, but sometimes it's just not well done. Whereas others, it's like, if you let the story naturally progress, um, the artwork is good. The action is good. The dialogue is good. The story is moving at the right pace. So that way the reader doesn't need to know the reader just wants to see. And that's what I love about this right now.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, and one way speaking of like, you know, being subtle about things, not cramming them in. I I think one aspect I kind of glossed over, but like when he's in that, there's just a couple panels when he's considering what to do. She finished killing gamble or go save this boy. And, uh, you know, there's this one line, a narration of X. He says an image too dim to be a memory, a boy fire. And then that just, that that's not really it. So we get, we get like little hints, like, okay, we, now we know why X wears his mask. He was also damaged, uh, as a boy in a fire. So like, we're getting little tidbits without having the full origin laid out there for us. So, uh, yeah, for, for, for a
1: first issue. And that's what kind of reminds me. I mean that this, this all kind of reminds me of V e for Vendetta in some ways, because that, that was also kind of like what happened to to V. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. In a sense, there there are there are a lot of parallels there for sure. I mean, yeah. This definitely draws from a, a many many inspirations, and I, I
1: wouldn't call it unique. It's not, but it's not copying; it's homaging, and it's fine. It's just that there's a there's a lot of on the nose type of comparisons. I think we're catching
0: for sure. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Moving on to issue number two. And what I like about this series, too, is it, it kind of it doesn't really pussyfoot around. It doesn't try to go in any kind of certain structure of how a story arc should go. Like, for example, in issue number two. We already have a copycat X and that's the kind of thing like you, you might see a copycat version of a character, but that would be something like a series. We just do like way down the road when we've maybe run out of ideas. All right, let's do the copycat version here. They just do it right in the beginning. And uh, well, we'll we'll get into the story and and judge how how well we think this was done here. But yeah, the clone saga
1: comes way later.
0: So we start off X number two and we just see some sort of a denizens of Arcadia, in the street here and we see the captions of somebody screaming, help me, help me. He's going to kill me. We see this guy running out of my way. LeVon will help. Good old LeVon. LeVon. This guy's screaming for LeVon. And then we see him fall down the stairs, clunk his head on the ground. And this guy, he never found LeVon, whoever that is. He be dead. He has the big red X right on his face. And then uh, we go right to the next page where we see an X or what we presume is our main character of X, but the cover already showed us an X battling an X and the the title of the story is copycat. So maybe it's not our X uh, shooting and running away from this guy. Um, we then go, OK, this is why. OK, now look, OK, tell me I'm not a little crazy here or tell me I am crazy. Either one. Now we're in the scene where the commissioner, okay, this is where the commissioner is having a meeting with like the police chief and the mayor. So this was the police. Okay. I was right. Yeah. Before, but he looks I exactly think. like gamble did
1: in the last issue here. Does he All not? All bureaucrats kind of look no, the but same. I mean,
0: I'm serious though. Like it's, it's it's the exact same suit, the exact same shirt color, the exact same color. You you are struggling
1: with what I had to struggle no, with. I'm not. when not, no, no, I'm, not, no. I'm not saying you're a stereotypist. I'm a stereotypist, a stereotypist. I was struggling with the same type of issue with the art style from Frank Miller in oh, the right. okay. I thought like you were going to say with your calling Car-
0: Carmine. No, you, because
1: I'm because because I'm not because I'm better than that, Mark. And you okay. need to check yourself. All but right. I was having the same issue with how Frank Miller. Drew a lot of the white people in that one, where they all kind of look alike, and it's just like I can't tell who is who because it's just they they blend in so similarly, and I, and I wonder maybe I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna analyze this for a second. Maybe they look so alike because they want to basically show that the villains, as they progress and grow more powerful over the time, they begin to take the attributes of each other.
0: <laughs> that is really giving some some really credit where it's not due now. I
1: mean, (laughs) the art is good. Not great. (laughs) I will say the,
0: I, I, I like the art decently well, but I mean, I do have a problem with this particular character who is dressed in the exact same color suit as gamble and looks exactly like him, which did confuse me. I think it confused me both times. It confused me the first time I read it and confused me just now. It reconfused me when I was doing this recap because at first it seems like Gamble just showed up in town. No, but this is the police commissioner, right? Yes. The police commissioner, and he's kind of giving a briefing uh, about X and about how his patterns have changed. So X has been uh purely just basically a defender of the waterfront up until this point. And now his killings are going outside the normal boundaries. So again, Just like in the last issue, we're learning about X without learning about X. You know, without without some narrator, we're learning it through the scenes, through the conversations of the characters. And uh, this, we meet this Chief Bremner here. He's kind of this uh, the chubbier dude, of course, and uh, he gets put on the case of getting to the bottom of the X killings by the mayor. Uh, The mayor in this scene also, after uh, after the police chief leaves, he accuses the police chief, not the yeah the police chief of not the commissioner man there's a chief and there's a commissioner and i confuse them this is the wire basically all right we're getting all the insider politics inside uh the police station here in arcadia and basically the mayor is accusing the chief of working for tango to run someone against him so we see that while all these guys are the cops the cops aren't exactly unified we've already seen the mayor is corrupt uh, it's kind of suggested that this is there's a corruption in this police commissioner as well as the police chief so it's very much like i feel like it's like frank Miller. Uh, Frank Miller's Daredevil or Batman or something meets like The Wire, because we kind of have that like that element of of poli- police turmoil and uh, inner city politics and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, this is this is Gotham light
0: or Gotham heavy. I don't know, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, We then see that uh, the mayor... Is that the mayor? No, so the mayor walks by this homeless guy, right? And this we see this other hand reach out and give a coin to this homeless dude named uh, Kingston. And this Kingston guy is giving this other guy some intel. He's saying, the word is heard. The shot missed the spot. His enemy's a way to stay. How, How the X got the hex. Bad magic. They believe, but now they do not believe. They know the mark, but they do not hark. And, uh, and then this guy walking away, says the mark of X is death. Kingston, you tell them no one's no one who's marked escapes, not for long. So this implies that this is actually X that we're seeing, uh, in this costume here, uh, with this hat on and basically getting the street Intel from this guy. Who's, I I guess he's talking about this other X. So I think X is trying to investigate fake X here in our, in our second issue already here. Um, we also see a scene where you know the chief is arguing uh, with this guy, um, with this other this other guy who's I guess on the case with them. This cop, he's arguing about, and this guy's implying like, look, I think there might be a copycat killer here because. The, the ex-killer made his presence known um, by taking out all the backers of the Waterfront Revival Project, so he, he, he's got to be changing his MO or there's a copycat, and then the chief is very adamant that there is not a copycat here. He doesn't want to hear this. He's like, we, you know, we better not have two madmen running around there, so you just wait and you, we're, we're going to get to the bottom of this, but there's no copycat, so he's really shutting this thing in, in, down here. And um, as the chief is leaving, we see that X is actually coming up through a floorboard um, in the other office. So X is doing a little of his own intel. He is searching. Somehow he knows this password, which we're not quite sure how he knows the password, but he gets some info, info some intel on Carmen Tango and prints it out. That's all we really know. Uh, until our next scene, where we see a couple lovers in bed here. Uh, nice little lady. They're, they, are, they are one of these. I've always wanted to be, to be in one of these beds, these beds with the big red heart that are made of a big red heart. I think they only exist in like uh, I don't know these
1: action films
0: these don't exist in the US and no I've never been to one but in Mexico in Mexico City anyway there are these things called love motels they're basically motels that are dressed up in uh, they're they're basically just their way they're they're places you go to have sex essentially um, again never use that I've always been here with my wife and uh, we have places to stay but it is a thing and this is the kind of like bed we because we've looked them up just out of it's like it would be funny to stay here for a night kind of thing but eventually well, you we decide, and your
1: wife do in your own room with your own free heart-shaped bed is your own thing yeah anyway i've never been in a heart-shaped bed of you <laughs> no but i wonder if they come in tempurpedics because that would be great that would be great uh nonetheless it looks it
0: looks like a, quite a comfortable bed they're having a, a nice relaxing time when x busts in and uh we find out through x that this these two people are uh, are quite important they are teal um they are tango's uh, teal's secretary i think teal is the mayor and Tango's bodyguard. So clearly, we're seeing these these connections between, um, you know, between the the uh, the organized crime as well as uh, the police here. And uh, X just leaves them both. He basically says, look, I don't tolerate imposters, uh, Imposters. so which one of your bosses is behind this guy that's pretending to be me? The, ch- the chick says she doesn't know, and he's like, well, was it Tango then or what? As this other guy is coming up behind him, X just turns around, smacks him in the face, and uh, at the end, he doesn't kill them, but he does leave their mirror marked with one slash. So uh, they have been marked, and uh, the set, the set, they don't want that second slash is all, is all, is all we know here. Um, next we see this other sort of mobster dude who is, uh, being driven around and we see he is murdered via machine gun by someone up in the, not up in the rafters, up on one of those fire escapes and this machine gun, he is shot with an X pattern, uh, across the machine, uh, across the top of the car. Uh, so there in the very next scene, we see the aftermath of this murder. This guy, uh, was obviously a mobster and, um, there's like this little conversation here where um, the this police chief is uh, this Bremner guy. He is confronted by the lawyer of this uh, the guy that was murdered, this Aisley guy. And uh, basically, we just we kind of see like the di- dynamics here. Like the lawyer is still, even though his client's dead, is trying to imply that this must be you know a, a random killing, that he's not a mobster, all this stuff. Uh, probably just trying to protect his assets or whatever. And Chief Bremner just punches him right in the stomach. And this other guy comes up and says, "No, it was the police. The police killed him. I saw." a guy a, a guy with a police jacket and then the, the commissioner holds a gun up to this old man's face and is like you didn't see anything you didn't say anything like that um so the police are very corrupt here. Um, they're all they're seemingly trying to cover up what really happened here, but they also don't really seem to know what actually really happened here. And um, as uh, this is all taking place, we see someone walking away. And this is the first time we we get a glimpse of X's face. And not only is his face kind of burned, it looks like he has the one eye. He only has one eye and he has like a, an X scar over the other eye, but he's wearing like a baseball cap. So he's so now we see the X kind of. He wanders the day in various costumes to sort of get intel here, uh, almost like a Moon Knight, like dressing up as like a Jake, Jake Lockley to bring this back to, uh, to Stephen Grant, uh, the writer and actor and, uh, and Moon Knight, Stephen Grant. And it's he says, connected. I'll be watching for you, Bremner, as he walks away. Um, thoughts as we're about halfway through issue two here. Because I need a break.
1: I, I'm seeing a lot of similar tropes and I'm starting to get to the point where I can kind of predict a lot of what's going to happen. What's really saving it is the dialogue and the artwork. It doesn't feel canned. It doesn't feel like it's um it's just there as filler. I feel like the story's still going. So while it's still predictable, it's still interesting. I'm I'm enjoying it, but I'm starting to really see... And, and I don't want this to be a criticism because we're only halfway through the episode now, but like... I, I kind of wondered, because I, as, I, as I previewed this the other day, like, why isn't he more popular? And I'm starting to understand. It's like he's in a sea of other very similar characters that are coming out in the mid-90s. And even though this is good, I can see how if I were you, Mark, back then, I could have probably overlooked this and not been as interested
0: sure yeah and like this did not become a regular read of mine Uh, I I, like I literally I know I own these two issues but I don't own any issues beyond that so obviously it didn't stick with me enough to to keep it uh, on my monthly pull list Um, also like I think that these indie comics were a little more expensive at the time I think this is already a $3 book which you know in in 94 I'm like dude I can buy like two or three of these Marvel books uh, for this it's a good chunk Um, of change it really is a good chunk of change so yeah like I would dip myself into a lot of indie stuff especially when I would go to a comic convention I mean that was where I would you know I'd see a big poster or something or i'd see the creator there and then i get you know kind of in awe of it and pick up that first issue or whatever it may be uh also how i ended up with a signed ninja number one as well by joe casada uh so that's do you know probably. where that is yeah i have that that i have a i think my probably most i don't think it's even that valuable but i mean i've, I've assigned joe casada ninja number one and assigned todd mcfarlane spawn number one those i'm guessing those are most my valuable comics but even those a couple hundred bucks maybe. I mean it's not like they're extremely valuable.
1: The spawn could be depending on the condition. I've seen those things go up for $800.
0: Oh, really? Oh, it's it's yeah. I I haven't graded it or maybe I should get it graded cuz I would you call should, it you should probably get near it. mint or I mean but it's probably near mint to be honest. I mean it's been in a bag and board
1: for 30 years. You should you should find it and get a CGC rating.
0: How do I do that? Do I have to mail it to them though?
1: You have to mail it to them. That's
0: what always scares me. That's what always scares me. Having to mail in a very valuable I mean obviously you get insurance or whatever.
1: Do a trip to New York and go there yourself.
0: Ooh. Well, that's actually something. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked, but yeah, take the a... wife to Midtown. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we've been planning to go uh, at some point soon. Anyway, uh, nonetheless, back to our story, back to X number two here. We see this little old lady in the park, and uh, this guy says, grandma and this lady says, Jeffrey. <laughs> and this guy goes, says, how could you do it? Grandma, your own son-in-law. And she says, Jeffrey, don't And just gets shot. This is X by the way, or it's seemingly X. Obviously our hero is not going and killing grandmas. Uh, and then later we see this lady found in a park. This guy says, looks like a heart attack called nine one uh, one. And she is just covered in paint. So she has the X paint on her. Um, so she was actually shot by a gun. It seems like she was shot. Oh no, that's not paint. That, Okay, yeah, she was shot. That's blood. A that's yeah. blood. Yeah, they're, they're that, just That's idiots. pretty.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. These people and me were just idiots and thought it was paint. Um, but yeah, then we go and we see that Chief Bremner is uh, coming up to this house, uh, to this guy Birch's house. He's like, you know, wake up. Why don't you answer your damn phone? We've got another one. Some old lady was murdered. So this is that his partner of his who was working on the case with him, and he opens the door to Birch's house, goes and just immediately starts snooping around, and then he goes and finds an armory. Uh, basically a, a BDSN weaponry. Now, th- th- I mean, this looks like what you would imagine X's arsenal looks like. You got one of those, uh, what's it called? A mace, the ball with the, the spikes on the end, I think it's called a yeah. mace. You got a battle axe of some kind, uh, a, t- a bunch of guns, a bunch of scary looking shit, and a bunch of people's pictures um, with them, with the X's crossed out. So he turns around and we see what looks to be X or someone like X. He says, what are you doing here? He says, you're the X killer. And he says, well, I hope you got an eyeful and shoots him in the knee. So this is now Burge. So we realized that his partner, Burge, is the fake ex, which is why he was, uh, I, I don't know if that's why he was bringing up the copycat killer thing. It, 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 maybe that was sort of a, a deflection or to sort of try to get the chief off, off the trail. Uh, but he said, well, I can't kill you with a pistol, you know, because I can't get an X out of it. So there must be something else here. So he's, he's just looking uh, for the perfect Uh, Perfect weapon to kill the chief with while he's kind of giving kind of giving his origin stories like I'm going to chop you into pieces here a giant X what do you say and he explains now my dad died in prison last year a month before they were due to execute him of course we had different surnames mom remarried right after he was convicted 20 years he rotted in there all because he had a good idea. Good enough. Some people were willing to frame him for murder to get it. So I don't know what his good idea was. If he, if, if he was
1: uh now they're ripping off the Flash of the dad in prison thing. Uh, actually, no, that retcon wouldn't come for. Yeah, they hadn't done that yet. Yeah, that, uh, I'm sorry. I'm like jumping like one. I'm, yeah, I'm jumping like 20 years ahead. The Flash ripped off this during their retcon. Yeah, there you okay. go. The Flash.
0: Well, we'll get to we'll get to DC ripping off X in a minute. Uh But he says then the detective on the case took a big bribe to suppress evidence that would have cleared him and payoffs ever since. And uh, so basically that's the origin of this fake ex. He says, I've been waiting to make them pay. Then this ex killer showed up and it occurred to me if the ex killer could be anyone, then anyone could be the ex killer. So he has decided to adopt the, the, the ex killer moniker. He, and he actually killed his own grandma here. He killed everybody he thought was responsible for his dad being in prison, um, which I don't mind, but I, I, I don't like that. We it's like, it's, it's almost seemed like it was referencing something that we was never referenced. Like, it seems like, like it's supposed
1: to be more important than what it is
0: yeah i mean it's like he's referencing this thing as if like it should i feel like it should have been referenced earlier in the series so it, would, it seemed like it was a callback to something but it was a callback it's not something we'd never heard so i don't know i don't know what that was all about uh, i think it was just an easy way to give this guy some kind of like generic origin but as he says the x killer could be anyone so anyone could be the x killer we see some boots in the corner and uh, our darker blue that's how you knew who the real x is plus he's wearing the mask our darker blue x is here and he says wrong and um Then X obviously just goes after him. This is where we get the X versus X battle. And um, X kind of has like a flashback here during the middle of this battle. Um, It seems like he's having a flashback to the day that he lost his eye and had that X mark put on him. Cause uh, we see this. So I did, we do continue to get little tidbits of his origin. There's kind of like scary looking dudes surrounding him. And he, this guy is saying the reprobate are damned because they were always meant to be damned. The printer right are not saved because they were, so it seems like X was maybe in some kind of uh, cult or something like that. Maybe if he's flashing back to this, but then we go back and this guy's saying, I haven't done anything. Where's the justice. <coughs> and X says justice a dream isn't a vision. Cause he, otherwise earlier the guy had referenced this vision of seeing X. And then he realized that he could become X. And he says, a dream isn't a vision. I don't have time for fantasies. And then X just stabs this guy through the stomach with uh, the sword and immediately kills him. And uh, the chief is like, kind of like, you know, he's, 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 he's huffing and puffing here. He's like, what, what are you? And X just says the future. And then X, our hero takes his gun, points it at the chief. who says, what, what you can't, you can't kill me. And he says, you were marked," he says. "Yeah, but but you didn't do it, like because it, it was the other fake ex that marked him." He's like, "No one who's marked escapes." I would have gotten around to you eventually, and shoots the police chief in the head. Here, um, that pretty much wraps up our story. But we do get a, a brief little epilogue here, where we see the mayor and the police commissioner—not the police chief, who just got killed—the police commissioner—as they unveil a new team, a SWAT team, uh, not, not not a new team of these like robot dudes, these robot cops that are going to gonna come after X, I guess. So, um, yeah, and they do reference like a Dark Horse omnibus, a series here. So X was also making appearances in like in other series and other of these dark, dark horse did a lot of like uh, yeah, a lot of like three or four stories in one. So X was also appearing in other series while appearing in this series. But that does wrap up our second issue of X. What are your overall thoughts on our two issue introduction to this character?
1: This is very 90s. This is very '90s punk noir. This is it's good. It's I like it. I I feel like I want to like it more than I do, but it's it's good. It's not great. I can compare it to a lot of other things, and it, it's not just because like I, I'm drawing a lot of comparisons to episodes that we've done in the past, but I'm also thinking of a lot of stories that I've just read over time, and like I, I like I I I like I like it. But it is. I can tell why some characters don't have staying power. It's not that they're not good. It's just that how do you evolve into something more original over time? Maybe I have to go back and read The Omnibus because maybe it does. But from these two issues, uh, I, I can tell why you didn't continue.
0: Yeah, and I I think I actually am interested enough reading it back to like now that the omnibus is uh, here, it's free. I am interested to just kind of read this through. Th- this
1: reminds me, it, it, you know, I I'll I'll stop after this because this, I won't get on too much of a tangent. I, I read Stan Lee was actually putting out books well into the mid two thousands through uh, Stanley Comics or whatever. It was one of his companies. I think it was Stanley Entertainment, and one of them was called Soldier Zero. And Soldier Zero is a mix of Green Lantern and the Blue Beetle and a bunch of other stuff. Like it wasn't it was it was very unoriginal. The only original thing about it was about was that it had a soldier who had no legs. And suddenly he gets this alien suit that gives him legs and stuff like that. That was the only thing. Other than that, like every page, I'm like, oh, this is pulling from that. This is just like this. Oh, I, I can guess what's going to happen three pages from now. And it happens. It's like, it was good. The artwork was good. It was interesting enough, but you read it and you're just like, I'm not getting anything new out of it at all. It's just, it's very, it's very predictable. It's got things that I could say are good. The artwork was really great. Some of the dialogue was pretty funny, but it wasn't good enough to continue the get my money every month. And after about three, four issues, I was like, I'm sorry, it's it's done. And that's how I kind of feel about this.
0: Yeah. Well, luckily we live in this day and age where we can easily access this stuff. And I, I will say upon this read all these years later, um, it does interest me enough. Like, yes, it's not like incredibly original, but it feels very nineties and I, I'm kind of digging it. I'm kind of digging the vibe. Um, and I have already read a couple more issues ahead. Uh, so I think I'm probably just going to soldier through this omnibus just to give it my, my full view. Maybe that'll even be a case of the runs. Maybe I'll give the whole, the thing is the case of the runs, uh, my, uh, bonus show, it's supposed to be the idea is one writer, you know, one actual vision. Where actually, Doug. Actually, no, I think Doug. No, it's it's the art that changes. Uh, Stephen Grant, I believe, I believe he rides this series out. I think it's just the artist that changed. So yeah, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see how far I go uh, with X here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's I, I would call this good, good, not great. I, I would call this like acceptable. Uh, the thing is, when when you are an indie comic. And, um, if you're not exceptional and you don't find a re- way to really stand out, you're probably not going to last too long. So that's probably why X just didn't last too long. Cause it's not, it's not different enough.
1: You know, it's not what dark, grungy, violent, anti-hero do you want 1994 comic bookstore kid? <laughs> indeed but
0: I, I will say I like X's look I think the look is pretty cool and upon this read I do, I do enjoy the way that we don't really know anything about him but each issue we get a little hint the first issue we, we, we get a little hint that he was traumatized in a fire and then the next issue we get this other hint that he was in some who knows but there's just one panel that tells us something weird about his past so I like that we're finding out more about him and we're learning that while he has some morality like he wanted to save that kid over killing Gamble he doesn't really have that much because you know he had no problem just killing this chief, just this chief guy who hadn't really been on his list. It was the fake guy that marked him. Uh, and he's like, well, yeah, I probably would have had to kill you anyway. And just, just shoots him in the head. So it's like, you know, he, he definitely has like a, a code of his own, but that, that code is certainly not the code of, of a more mainstream uh hero. Like, like a bat. He's more like a pun. He's like a Batman meets a punisher meets a daredevil.
1: Something like that. The Punisher would have given the kid some rent money for a hotel room. Yeah, I mean he's he's more of a dick <laughs> than
0: the Punisher too. I like I was just like yeah, well life's tough, dudes. Whatever, see ya. So your home blew up. That sucks. Um, should we rate this one and then I'm gonna do a quick little segue into something else before we wrap uh, up? But, yeah, uh, let's
1: let's do this. Artwork, I like the artwork. Uh, I'm gonna give the artwork a three. Story, however, a three. You liked the artwork and you're barely giving it above average. Well, here's where I'm gonna shit on it. Okay, I'm gonna give the story a two. Wow. This is just, it's, it's there. I You're can, giving this a five. I can, I can, I feel like I should give it a, I'm shocked. I, I feel like I'm I should shocked. give it, you know,
0: don't, I, no, don't cave no, to pressure. I'm, I'm not
1: going to cave to pressure. No, you know what? I'm giving it a five. I don't, oh. I don't hate this book. I'm not a fuck you five. Not a fuck just you a five, five. Like a, you know what? You know, it's like when, no, I, I can't defend it. I'm giving it a five. Wow. Wow, I don't hate this book. Okay. I don't want to sound like I hate this book. I I don't. I'm just, and, and I think maybe this is a discussion we should have later. D- when reading a story, oh, oh, is this a serious talk? I, we I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's like so. Here's how a mommy and daddy make a baby. No, like does it should it matter whether or not you would pay money for a story? Because I that was it something that kept going through my mind. A- <laughs> because I'm like, would I have paid money for this?
0: When I was 14 it mattered a lot more than now when thank god I can just log on to Hoopla and it's just sitting right well, here. Well these for days me. So with inflation
1: and everything this is like an 8 dollar book.
0: That's true yeah. I mean my standard of what I will read has definitely changed by easy digital access. Like I would probably never go and buy all the issues to make up the X Omnibus but the fact that I can just click on it and read it it's interesting it's interesting enough to make me read it. I don't think it's interesting enough to make me pay like what if it was like 4 or 5 dollars a month, you know? So I guess that's the interesting thing about the the age we live in here. Is that I read things that I thirty years ago I never would have justified reading because it would have cost me a, a pretty penny. Uh, but it's a good thing I, I think it, it lets us read uh, you know things that we wouldn't have. So I think that's always a good thing. And so I will, but I'm going to have to give you a very different score on this. And uh, first, the art, uh, I, I do like the art a lot. You said you liked the layout, but then didn't rate it all that highly. Um, I think I three is the,
1: high. Three is uh, three. Three is yeah.
0: Well, two and a half is average, so three is slightly above average. Anyway, I'm only going slightly above that. I'm going to give it a three point five. It's it's pretty good art. I like the grittiness of it. I like the feel for it. I think the the tone of the art, um, you know, matches the the grittiness of the story. I think I would have given the art a four if I knew if I could tell the difference between gamble and the police commissioner because they look exactly it's the same. So cuts. for that alone. That's a worth a half a point deduction alone. I'm the art of 3.5, and the story, I, I kind of dug it. I mean, I, I didn't dig it in the sense that I think it's the most original thing I've ever read, but I I feel like by the end of these two issues, I I got a sense of, of what X was. I got a sense of his attitude. I got some hints about his origin, and I really liked that we got some personality to the other characters. Like, you know, we've, we've been introduced to Gamble, even in his first, who uh, seems like he's going to kind of be an arch nemesis along with the Carmine Tango. They're building the universe for me here. Um, we're getting glimpses of these characters and like they really have attitudes and personalities of their own that really do shine through. Um, so for that reason, I'm going to give the writing a four. I'm going to give this a 7.5 and I'm pretty sure this is our biggest gap of all time.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I just... I can't disagree with your opinion. Your opinion's your opinion, but I... You can. You can disagree. No, with your I, 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 I can't. I can't. You know, I think it just comes down to personal taste, and I think that's what's good about life. We can look at the same thing and come to different conclusions.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of coming to conclusions, this brings me to another subject. Now, I told you... You didn't really have to read it if you didn't
1: want to, but I wanted you to I check out. I own this. I actually went through my collection when you brought this up. I'm like, do I own this? I actually own the story we're about to read next, and that's oh, what great. confused me a little bit because I'm trying to now figure out. It's like how how where where does this happen? Because the omnibus, the, the original X was all that was all Dark Horse, right?
0: I'll shut up. You explain it. You explain this it. is this is the point. So you read teen you've read Teen Titans Academy already. This
1: series. I read the first issue. I didn't collect it okay. that. I... I
0: I actually kind of dig it. Like I, I read, I read this whole trade paperback, which has the first, um, first five issues. I think it's pretty not like mind blowing, but it's like it's really fun and it kind of has a. I I, enjoy, I I would like to continue reading this one, to be honest. This this which I which surprised me. Um, I just read it because. The cover caught my eye, and I'm not sure if we need to even go through the whole issue. I mean, basically, this this series of Teen Titans Academy. It basically just follows the original Teen Titans, as it implies. They set up an academy where we meet all these sort of teenage heroes and such. I think I think my my favorites are Gorilla Greg, who is like Gorilla Grodd's nephew. <laughs> I just think he's funny because he's Gorilla Greg. And so I like I, his I name.
1: like that you've got a uh, you've got like Nightwing and Starfire stepping in as the mentors and stuff. So here here's yeah. what kind of confused me. This was the first. It's fun. This was the first in print appearance of red X in the DC universe, because the first time I had seen this red X was in teen Titans in 2005.
0: Okay. I'm glad you're here because this is all the, this is what I've been trying, had been trying to clear up. I did a bunch of research and I I, I figured it all out, but yeah, I, I look, if I think all we need to look at is the cover of this and, and, and anywhere else you've seen red X. Obviously it's not exactly the same, but how fucking similar does Red X look to X? That's pretty fucking pretty similar. similar. Very similar. Like, the costume is similar. Yeah. Red X has a cape. So basically like the plot of this is it's like the, the first week at the academy and Nightwing is getting these like messages and these things like referencing this Red X and I guess I guess so in Teen Titans the the cartoon Red X was a um Okay, I I'll, I'll tell you this you right explain now. It. Yes, the please. Red
1: X in the Teen Titans cartoon and the Red X in this now in the DC comics have nothing in common. They are entirely different characters. They are, but in terms of their look, I mean, in terms of look, they're exactly the same. Right. But they reference, right. So I think they're,
0: but in this book, they they do reference that Nightwing had once, portrayed this red X. So I think they're like referencing that maybe it's not that particular story, but they're referencing like now we're going to say this did happen in some version of Canon. And so apparently there's someone who else who has taken this red X moniker who is like fucking with Nightwing, who's kind of infiltrating. This is kind of the story of the first five issues that that I read here. Um, But I mean, really the only reason I wanted to bring this up is I I had to blink twice the first time I saw this. I mean, how like this looks now? It's not exactly the same. Like the red X has a different mask and has a cape, but the X is nearly. I mean, nearly identical. And to me, they look so incredibly similar. It's it's hard to think there wasn't some correlation here. And red and X and maybe there's not. Now I also read somewhere that. R- that Red X is supposed to be based on Racer X from Speed Racer
1: that was if that's such the a case stup- it- I I I've, people have tried to say that I think that's a stupid cop out it's well, almost well certainly not
0: visually they look nothing like each other like yeah. nothing I looked up R- Racer X to see and they look nothing alike but this Red X looks very much like the character of X with a few alterations so the question I have for you Ramzo do you think that they created this that whoever created this Red X character was inspired by the X comic. That's the entire reason. A-
1: absolutely. This is an absolute rip-off. This is Nightwatch at Marvel ripping off right? Spawn. Yeah, like yeah. this is a blatant rip-off
0: i mean look there are differences it's not the exact same character i don't think there's any grounds for legal action here but they look very similar
1: just because you have two different colored ferraris doesn't mean that one's not ferrari because it's a different color and you call it something else if it looks like a, if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck it doesn't matter if they're two different colored ducks they're ducks
0: anyway they, they look so similar that i went on this whole rabbit hole uh trying to find out i'm like did 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 DC purchase this character? Because weird things like that happen sometimes. Did they? And like, no, none of that happened. This is just supposed to be some entirely different character that looks exactly like fucking X in the in the same story, which is really what inspired this, me to do this entire episode uh, and to look at this. So I'm I'm glad you agree with me. And I, I I tried to look this up, and it seems like somebody I found one Reddit thread where someone had asked the same question, and someone shot them down, saying, "No, that's silly. It's inspired by Eraser X." It's and those I damn up lawyers X. from DC. Nothing like this. Yeah, he's probably a, a, a lawyer that's a, a fake uh, Reddit troll. Uh, nonetheless, I, I'm glad we agree that DC absolutely uh, ripped off, or some creator of DC, without telling DC, ripped off this this character of X. So I'm glad we agree. That, that being said, I really like this Teen Titans Academy book. I'm not sure how long it goes for. I'm very shocked at how much I like it. Like, it's not like the best comic I've ever read, but it's a nice change of pace, probably because I've been reading a lot of gritty stuff like X lately, lately. It's a nice change of pace to have just, you know, kind of like a... A fun sort of like teens learning their powers and being teenagers and and solving capers kind of book. So that's that's what it's been for the first five issues. So I will loosely recommend uh, Teen Titans Academy, at least the first five issues, um, if you can get
1: past the blatant theft of X, the injustice.
0: That's all I've got, Remzo. Justice hopefully has been exposed. Here we, we have done an expose on this. Now, uh, anything else to add before we sign off?
1: Now, folks, if you enjoy stuff like this, please go ahead and leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you're listening to the show, it takes you five seconds. It means a lot to us. And we keep this whole this whole thing going. We we don't stop till we don't stop. We don't stop. Uh, th- there was a whole rap involved. You forgot our catchphrase, I, I, didn't you? <laughs> no, like I had a whole, like I had a whole, like you know, short little, you know, pithy rap in my head, but I screwed it up. Until next time, you want to hear me try again? You only got to do one thing, folks, and it's very simple. It's until this then. until then, it's R- read the comics, comics and change the world. Good night, America.
0: Will the real ex please stand up? That's the title of this episode.